I can't be the only one who thinks of the bits, Amanda. Yeah, well, I have other responsibilities. What? <laughs> when dividing up the podcast responsibilities, mm-hmm. I did not realize that mm-hmm. I was getting uh, intro bits as the yeah. the main responsibility. Yeah, oh, I write gosh. up all the notes and you do mm-hmm. the intro bits. Okay, fun stuff, fun stuff. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. (laughs) Why do you say it like that? (laughs) I don't know. It's a mystery today. Oh, getting ready for our spooky episode. Getting ready. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Amanda and I read too many books. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about this. I don't know if I can commit to this. (laughs) We are Brother and Sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. And today we will be talking about I'm Thinking of Ending Things, including the 2016 psychological thriller slash horror novel by Ian Reid and the 2020 Netflix movie directed and written by Charlie Kaufman. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming in. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. So if you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we're going to give you a brief summary on the story. Now, this is a super twisty one, so I have to like really edit down what my summaries would normally be. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is basically all I can say. This story revolves around a young woman on a trip with her boyfriend to have dinner with his parents. Uh, They travel through heavy snow to a farmhouse, and the young woman contemplates ending their relationship, presumably. Uh, If pretty it falls pretty squarely into like psychological thriller and horror so there's um a lot of different things that unfold from there that fall directly into spoiler territory that we can't Mm -hmm. talk about but david what was your first experience with this story uh in terms of i'm thinking of ending things absolutely nothing i saw again Netflix is coming out with those fantastic trailers. I saw this. I demanded that we do it. Uh, I uh, I do have a little bit of experience with Charlie Kaufman. I mean, he's famous for making things like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. So he, knowing that this is a Charlie Kaufman movie is what made me super interested in seeing it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it, but when I was doing research of stuff that we could do based on things that were not delayed, uh, I saw this was Charlie Kaufman, and I'm like, hmm, David's probably going to want to do this movie. <laughs> it's been slim pickings for 2020. It's been a bit of slim pickings, so I don't think, now don't crucify me, I don't think I've seen any Charlie Kaufman films. I I'm not going to crucify you because they're weird. Like yeah. they're all weird. Like he doesn't make <laughs> normal movies. So I yeah. don't necessarily think that's crazy to think about. 
Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I know of his movies um, and I know what kind of director he is and I've heard a lot of talk about different movies he's done, but I've never seen any of them <laughs> at all. I would say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is his most easy and relatable movie to mm-hmm. get into. So I would say if you want like an entry point, that's definitely it. But he is sort of in this pantheon of like films for filmmakers type of movies like like cinema with a capital c i've seen um parts of being john malkovich in like like i've seen people dissecting it and it's pretty interesting but yeah i think that's the closest i've ever gotten to watching anything he's done i do see that he has a writing credit on the dana carvey show (laughs) i was gonna bring this up i think that's amazing. Like, I did not think he would, his start would come from the Dana Carvey show. Yeah, I kind of love that. <laughs> and I love I love IMDb because they, like, break down the episodes. And so it's the Taco Bell Dana Carvey show, the Mug, <laughs> mug Root Beer Dana Carvey show, the Mountain Dew Dana Carvey show, the Pepsi Stuff Dana Carvey show. And then it just falls into episode seven, episode eight, and then canceled. <laughs> short-lived uh yeah. sketch comedy what are you gonna do <laughs> i am slightly obsessed there's like a hulu documentary about the dana carvey show and it's a really fantastic documentary so highly recommend that hi yeah i've seen it too highly recommend it it's it's very good a bit more i guess on kaufman i guess we're we're fully in movie facts at this point because most are, of my yeah. movie facts actually have to do with Kaufman because a lot of the facts I can't talk about because it's just a spoilery yes. movie. Yes. Uh, another credit he uh, has is on the future adaptation of Chaos Walking, which is known for being in development hell for a long time. So this mm-hmm. is an adaptation of the series of the same name starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. And it yeah. has become infamous at this point of how much it's been delayed it's been in post-production forever yeah this is like back when daisy ridley was just getting famous for star wars so this is like a while ago that she actually finished filming for this so i was just shocked to see like he have this like all of these high class type of cinema movies and then just see like a teen dystopian sort of adaptation writing Mm -hmm. credit so Mm -hmm. i'm now like a little bit more interested in chaos walking than i was before (laughs) if we do ever see it yeah if we ever get to Mm -hmm. uh one other tiny fact i'd like to throw out there is brie larson was actually originally cast as the lead uh before being replaced by jesse buckley uh Mm -hmm. i think that's an interesting uh, choice uh because she before she's gotten famous she was in a lot of indie movies and she does have a lot of range mm-hmm. uh but jesse buckley still did a fantastic job she did really really well it would be not that i'm watching this movie over and over again a million times <laughs> in the future but it would be hard like i think she did a really fantastic job so mm-hmm. i'm glad she was cast in it uh any interesting book facts on this here book Uh, Not necessarily. Uh, There's not that much out there. Uh, This book just came out in 2016, but Mm -hmm. it was selected as one of the best books of the year by NPR in 2016. 
Um, and that's about it. There's not that much like floating around out there. So it was an acclaimed book. It's uh, pretty different. Mm, I guess it's hard to say that. There is, there's it's conceptually <laughs> the same and it follows the same beats, but they are mm. in a lot of ways very different types of stories i guess yeah definitely yeah but i it's it sounds like we're kind of on the precipice of talking about this so yeah this is going to be like the shortest spoiler free section that we've ever done <laughs> yeah this is more than anything even before we talk about spoiler free i'll say if you're interested in reading or watching this i'd recommend checking this out before we even talk about our spoiler free section it's just one of those things you need to sort of experience a little bit which sounds super pretentious just saying that but for I, this book to movie combo i would kind of recommend it before we even talk about anything i honestly would recommend reading the book first mm -hmm. i know that you had kind of recommended the opposite to me before i dove into it but i think um the like twist in the book is pretty enjoyable being like um, unspoiled. Whereas I wish someone would have told me what this movie was about before I started, <laughs> before I started watching it. So, <laughs> well, let's, let's dive into the story. then. Uh, okay. So a little bit of context for the viewers. I read the book, then watched the movie, and then I immediately told Amanda to do the opposite, <laughs> just because I thought it would be interesting to get someone who was a little flipped on it. So, Amanda, mm -hmm. with that in mind, what did you think about the story of I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Uh, yeah, it was... So, I typically, A, don't read, like, horror things to begin with. Um, I have dabbled in it and enjoyed some of it. So it's not, I'm not like a complete newbie. Um, but I didn't really, I think I didn't really acknowledge how much this is like solidly horror before I started it. Um, I thought of it more like a, a psychological thriller, which it kind of is too. Uh, but it's kind of one of those stories that doesn't want to tell you what it's about. Mm -hmm. And if that's not the story for you this may not be your book or movie um i think it's easier to get away with that in a book uh because because i think it's just easier in general i think it's easier to bring someone into a narrative into somebody's mind and not be telling them the whole truth for a while than it is to be doing that in a movie um where you feel entitled to know mm -hmm. what's going on um, so I think those two experiences are very different. And so I was much more frustrated with this movie than I was with the book. I actually enjoyed the book quite a lot. Yeah, it's the way I like to look at it. And I was thinking a lot about like, how do I describe the type of experience you have reading these types or watching these types of stories? Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it and the reason why I like these types of stories is because it's sort of that show or, um, show don't tell but keep it a mystery kind of thing that you have in jaws where it's terrifying because you never see the shark but in this case it's terrifying because you don't know what the entire premise and plot of this story is <laughs> right and you're trying to figure out just what the heck is going on 
And mm-hmm. that, I don't know why, I just eat that stuff right up. And so for me, who really enjoys trying to figure out what is going on with all this creepy imagery, it's it's it was just a lot of fun. And so I personally enjoy these types of like psychological thrillers where the premise is the uh, is the mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're like me, you'll probably eat it right up. But because of that, this movie is super, and this, this movie and book is super hard to talk about without spoiling because literally yes. talking about <laughs> character names spoils yes. this movie. <laughs> like, do not watch this movie with um, subtitles. That's, mm-hmm. it'll literally spoil the movie for you if you do that, which is the wildest thing to say. I think I, I don't know. I Sometimes I like when the premise is a mystery and sometimes I don't. I think there's a really fine line mm-hmm. because it's, it's a gimmick, right? It's technically yeah. a gimmick. Like you're never in that story and not know that the writer, producer is doing something very specific that you are trying to like see their hand in it. Does that make sense? So like. Yes. So there's only so much like, I think there's only so much patience I have with that before I want the story to still be told to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order for me to like engage fully with it. So there's this part in, I think, the movie early on where the young woman is talking to her boyfriend in the car and they are arguing about um, metaphors. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's like the least subtle <laughs> to me, like the least subtle conversation. Cause it's like the director having a conversation with himself where literally they're like a metaphor is a story better told through metaphor or not. And I feel like that could be like, that's like the thesis of Charlie Kaufman's entire career. <laughs> a little <laughs> where, bit, yes. Where basically the movie argues that a story is better told in metaphor because you feel rather than understand intellectually. And I, to me, I, I don't engage with a story like that. Like, yes, I like, I understand that to an extent, But at the same time, if I feel like there's information being specifically withheld to me up until like the 90 point mark of a story, then it just feels like the author's not playing fair with me. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that transitions a little bit into some of my thoughts on the book, because Mm -hmm. I would actually agree with that feeling, but more so for the book, because there is a lot of imagery that has really stuck with me from that book there are parts that like i i feel with horror novels especially i don't feel as scared or creeped out reading books than i do watching movies just because Mm -hmm. they engage with a lot less senses than when you're watching something and so i see i think the opposite if it like lives in my mind it's much more creepy to me than something on a screen well i think it depends if it's done well or not if it's Mm -hmm. just shown outright it's not but i think that the combination of the visual and auditory experience of certain horror um hits me in a way that is difficult for books to do and Mm -hmm. with this book i i think it's completely different there is imagery in this book that has still stuck with me but the ending especially for this book felt so sudden 
and left me feeling a little bit hollow on some of those parts that I loved because they felt mm -hmm. more like red herrings and gimmicks than they did in the movie for me. And I did. also think that the movie's trying to tell something fundamentally different, which I'll get to in the spoiler section. But I, I do think that's true, yeah. So I just, I enjoyed the book. The pacing is fast paced. Loved yeah, it. I read really it in good. an afternoon. But in the end, the ending felt a little hollow uh, rather than the entire experience I had. Did you... Um, did you listen to the audiobook or did you read the book itself? I read the book, but I've heard great things about the audiobook. I listened to the audiobook and there's a part where the twist is revealed uh, that I think specifically works in an audiobook that would be difficult to do in, a, in the regular book. So I, I think that probably helped. what part you're helped. talking about. Yes. The, no. the reveal in the book, because uh, I was reading some reviews on the audiobook, mm -hmm. uh, I would probably also recommend the audiobook just for that. It is it has amazing reviews for some of the extra storytelling bits that they have in there. Yeah, it's quite good. Uh, but is there anything else you want to mention on the book? Uh, on the book itself specifically? No, not really. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I think um, the audiobook experience was really good and it's, uh, it worked, it worked much better for me. I think by the time you know what's happening, by the time you need to know what's happening in the book, you know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Which, which is, but just by the sheer, like I tried to do uh, research on this book and it was all of my Google searches were flooded with just people being like, what the hell is happening in this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's, the movie is a bit different it's not as obvious and it's just a lot and i've gone uh, we've so <laughs> just a peek behind the curtain we finished this uh book to movie combo a while maybe ago. a month ago yeah. yeah maybe a month ago <laughs> and i have purposely delayed talking about this so i could watch it again and get my thoughts down on it because it is definitely a type of movie you need to watch <laughs> multiple times the first time i think it's good just to experience, especially if you like some of the more horror bits. I think the mm -hmm. horror bits aren't as effective if you know the premise. Mm -hmm. But after you know the premise. I think they're still pretty gross. So <laughs> <laughs> once you know the premise, the movie kind of takes on a different depth, which is why I loved it. It's I do have my qualms with it. It is so much slower than the book, but I did. It's very love slow. It. It got to a point where I, like you said, like we watched this a while ago. I could not bring myself to rewatch this before mm -hmm. we recorded this. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I just, it bummed me out so much when I watched it. And I really don't need a bummer right now. And I had re, I had already written my notes and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go in and talk about it because I can't do it again. And I, watching it the first time, I was getting frustrated by like the 20 minute mark and I was just like, I don't care about this anymore. I don't care what this movie is secretly about anymore. <laughs> yeah, the pacing of this movie can be difficult for a lot of people. Uh, there was a fun fact on IMDb that there are 40 minutes in this movie just dedicated to being in the car. Uh, yeah, it is a, a much differently paced 
movie that is so focused on dialogue mm-hmm. um, that it can Which be I a- don't hate usually. Yes. In this instance, if you don't know where that dialogue is grounded in, it becomes boring to me very fast. So I don't know, like in some parts, like I understand the metaphor that they wanted to play with. But if it's like so many steps removed from me understanding it, then it's impossible for me to engage with it. And that becomes boring after two hours. I think what's difficult is this is a type of thing that you need to watch, watch again, and also read up on the references. uh, (laughs) But I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to enjoy a movie. Yes, but because you have to do it, does that inherently make... Because here's... Amanda, now you've gotten to the question (laughs) I've been wrestling with, is do you need to... Does it make it a good movie if you can only watch it once? Because... I have come to the conclusion that no, I think that it is fine for a movie to need multiple watchings to really understand its depth. And this is the same thing that I've we can't talk about just yet that I've experienced with Tenet, but this movie has a similar feel to that where you do need multiple watchings and to kind of understand the yeah. artistic intent I behind don't- it. I don't mind when if a movie needs like like if I finish a movie and I'm like, whoa, I need to watch that again just to like like get the full picture of it. And upon rewatching it, I understand more of it because now I know the full story that can be an enjoyable experience. But if the first watch through is so unenjoyable, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's very small chance of me going back in order to get that full picture. Like if the first bite doesn't taste good, I'm not going to eat the whole pie. That's true. And this movie is a big old <laughs> pie, guys. This movie is a big old salty turd pie. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I would disagree. It's more of like a pecan pie where it's like, do How I dare like you, pecan sir? pie? Pecan pie is delicious. <laughs> uh, so as you guys can tell, we have much different thoughts. <laughs> Uh, I would say that this is just you need to understand the type of movie you're getting into. This is one that demands your attention. It kind of needs multiple watchings. And if you're ready for a movie that you really have to tune your brain into, you and you like this type of genre. I think it just requires like a lot of are- things. You are listing those qualifiers and there's everybody listening is just like, no, I'm not in that space right now. No, I'm not ready. (laughs) I think I'm going to push back a little bit because I think people talk a lot about how they need to feel distracted right now. But I don't think this is a very big distraction. I don't think people necessarily need a like uh, like feel good light things to feel Mm -hmm. distracted. Listen. I need my Great British Bake Off every once in a while, okay? I need that show. It's a core thing that keeps me sane during these times. But I also think movies <laughs> like this provide a different type of distraction for me that sure. engages me a, a lot differently. And that's what I appreciate about this type of movie during this time. Yeah, that's. I guess that's fair. If you, if you are looking for something to like <laughs> – watch with your friends and have long drawn out conversations and arguments about this is the perfect thing. No, if to you're do in that art with. school, this is going to be all y'all are <laughs> talking you, about. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> this is definitely a movie to dissect and talk about over and over again. So if that's the kind of thing you want to do, that's cool. I think if you follow us into spoilers, I will tell you why I still wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> but uh, I do think this book was very good. I think it was effective for what it was and it was pretty engaging. It's not very long. Um, I think there are some really good horror elements to it that play with a lot of interesting things. Um, and so I highly recommend the book, uh, the movie, maybe. Yeah, that's pretty funny. It's like for all the reasons why you may not like the movie <laughs> are like good reasons why you may like this book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is to watch the movie. You know that uh, by now. So <laughs> gross. <laughs> And, and to read the book. I mean, I enjoyed both experiences for different reasons That's that good. we're going to get into in our spoiler talk, which is going to be a heck of a talk, I can already tell. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into our spoiler section. People like to think of themselves as points moving through time, but I think it's the opposite. We're stationary in time through us <laughs> blowing like cold wind maybe this is how it was always going to end okay so let's talk about spoilers before we get into things just sort of a brief overview we, we have two summaries this episode of what the actual yeah. premise ish of this story is so uh, if you haven't watched it or need a quick refresher Basically, what's going on is that you find out at the end of this story that uh, the main character uh, is actually just imaginary, uh, and it is all happening within Jake's head, and this entire story is just a fantasy going through his head, maybe at the end of his life. The book makes it, it pretty obvious that that's what's happening. The movie's a little bit more ambiguous at the end. But it's uh, you come to find out that this entire story is just a fantasy of a janitor that works at a high school. So keeping that in mind, Amanda, while you were going through the story blind, what did you think was happening? I had so we were going into the store. I was going to the story blind Um and I kind of knew that it was going to be psychological horror, but I didn't really pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew the vibes were super creepy right out the gate. And this young woman is talking about wanting to end things with her boyfriend. And I thought he was definitely taking her to like this barn to murder her. <laughs> yes. Basically. <laughs> um, but as soon as that wasn't really the vibe of it, like it wasn't really like a fast paced thriller vibe, which is usually kind of where that plot would be. Um, I thought maybe like there's this 50% mark where the young woman is in her boyfriend's house and things are clearly off. Uh, time keeps on shifting around her and like the spatial, everyone's really weird. Like 
especially in the movie, I, I watched the movie first. So in the movie, the dialogue is very clipped and strange mm-hmm. so that like one person starts talking before another person finishes talking and it's very unnerving. So it's all, it feels like things are happening in people's heads that they don't realize are just happening in their heads. So I definitely got that feel. And I thought um, at one point they have like this extended talk about dementia and I thought maybe she was suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. And so it was this woman who thought she was a young woman and she's really an old woman suffering from dementia, thinking of leaving her boyfriend who's like actually her husband, which, by the way, is a great plot. And I would be there for that movie. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like a really good movie. <laughs> uh, I thought something, yeah, very similar. I thought, too, that everyone was just dead. Uh, that's always like my first go-to everyone's dead. All of these people are ghosts. Um, then I got a little worried because I thought it was going to be one of those icky multiple personality disorder type things, which I always hate. I thought so. I always hate when they're done in movies because it's never done well. And there's so many reasons why those stories are not accurate and it's super icky. This one is a little bit more ambiguous, I would say, (laughs) into the type of, um, disorder this man is maybe suffering from um well i don't i don't think he's suffering from a disorder okay i mean that's that's probably a good (laughs) read from it to be honest yeah so i well do you want to finish what some of your theories were uh no i mean those were pretty much the two big ones is everyone's dead or this is all a multiple personality thing yeah like the the movie kind of devolves in the end into like absurdity if i'm honest like oh, there's yeah. like an ex- <laughs> there's an extended ballet scene there's a scene where he's singing a song from oklahoma on the stage and everyone's wearing like old person stage makeup and you're not really sure what's real or what isn't mm-hmm. um and then you realize i don't know if you realize it i don't know if i realized it in the book that like he was the old man janitor or, sorry, in the movie. I realized it in the book. I don't know if I realized it in the movie. I think there's like some clues to it, like with the slippers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the, the movie kind of devolved for me and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> the movie definitely <laughs> turns to absolute uh, madness. Like as soon as people start doing a dancing scene, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess was also supposed to be from Oklahoma. Apparently you really need to understand the musical of Oklahoma. (laughs) I did so much reading into a musical I have never seen. I also haven't seen it, so that probably doesn't help. (laughs) You you weirdly need to understand the musical Oklahoma to understand some of the nuances and character, which is crazy to say. Maybe maybe Charlie Coffin just wanted to do a live-action Oklahoma and nobody would let him. (laughs) There's been, like, so many references to Oklahoma lately in media that I've watched as well. So I feel like this was like the thing that broke the camel's back for me to actually read into what Oklahoma is. (laughs) Yeah. So the book landed a little bit easier for me. Um, I don't know if it's because I was so afraid that it was going to be as hard to understand as the movie was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... um, you know, there's a point in the in the book where you um, there are these still these weird scenes with this young woman and her boyfriend. She's talking about like ending the relationship, and it's intercut with scenes basically from a crime scene where somebody has died. 
And you can't really tell at first if it's somebody has been murdered or something else has happened. And then there's a point where you understand that it's somebody has committed suicide. And so the I'm thinking of ending things takes on a double meaning of like, he's really thinking of ending his life and kind of dealing with the horror of that. And that's what the story is playing with throughout. And that was that landed better for me. There's this part like there's reveal in the audiobook where it shifts from being the single person female narrator uh and the entire time somebody is calling her and asking her to answer a question and she doesn't know what the question is. And finally the question is revealed that's like the reveal which is what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Like what what are the reasons why he wouldn't just end his life? And the horror that he's coming face to face with is that he doesn't have anything stopping him from killing himself. Uh, And then he kills himself at the end. (laughs) So like a real upper. (laughs) I think here's the thing. The reveal is so much better and much more clear cut in the book. You you understand what's going on. Is there, David, David, is there an actual reveal in the movie that tells you what this movie is about? I think you know what's so funny. I <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, I find it funny that you didn't know the janitor and Jake were the same person. Because I was actually shocked because I watched this movie with my wife, and I, she is notoriously terrible at trying to understand like what's going on. <laughs> like she doesn't know what's going on in the reveal. Like I'm jealous of her that she can be. She can like be shot by a reveal for every single movie because for me it's like I always figure it out and it's always not as great for me. Uh, but she mm-hmm. she is always shot by things and I'm always very jealous of that. But she was watching this movie, <laughs> and there was a part very early on in the movie where Jake is talking with who is just now known as the girl in the subtitles because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you find out that she isn't real, uh, and he says how he used to like. He's talking about Oklahoma. He plays a song from mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and then it cuts to the janitor watching girls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, perform yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Oklahoma. You're right. Yeah. And during that part, she made the connection immediately, and she's like, "Oh, he's the janitor." And I was like, "Yeah, holy crap, you got that right away." So for me, I thought the film revealed it just in a different way. I think so. I think it just comes from me not remembering all the details clearly. But I think there's a part two where she like goes into the basement. And um, pulls out something from the laundry, and it's the janitor's like uniform. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I think I did make the connection that Jake was secretly the janitor, but I still didn't know like how that fit into anything else that was happening in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I'll get into a little bit what I think that's all about. Um, but. It's it is a little bit more ambiguous, and I think that's kind of like why I liked the ending of the movie a little bit more. Be- I cannot take you seriously when you say that you like the ending to this. Movie. I do. I'm gonna get to it. I'm gonna. Okay, should I just talk about my grand reasoning the, why I enjoyed the ending of this? I'm movie? sorry. The extended Oklahoma musical scene was so dumb i was so oh, yeah. done with the movie oh, yeah. by the time we got there that's the entire end of the movie though how did you like it okay. so let me explain why i like this ending because 
it adds an extra layer to the film of what I think this film is trying to talk about. Because I think this film is trying to talk about a lot of things. It's trying to talk about time and aging and memory and what it feels like to get old and what it feels like to have meaning. It, it's like classic Charlie Kaufman-esque type things about the human condition. It's what he loves talking about. But I think there's this extra layer on top of that of what I think this movie is trying to talk about is talking about like, what are we as people? Like, are we references or do we have original ideas? Because throughout this film, there are all these hints that uh, he, like references to other pieces of media. So we've talked a lot about Oklahoma. Um, there, you need to understand like references to the thing. You need to understand uh, like the beautiful mind because at the end of the movie, he does a like complete recreation of the speech in beautiful mind at the end of the movie. The reason why all mm -hmm. those people look old is because it's a reference to a beautiful mind. And all mm -hmm. of these are like pieces of media that Jake's character has consumed. And so in his fantasy, everything in his fantasy is just a reference to another piece of media to a point where there's like a 15 minute dialogue scene where <laughs> Uh, the girl's character is word for word reading a movie critic's uh, critique of a movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. he's making this uh, commentary of what are we versus what we consume. And that's what I think the movie is like that. That's the layer of the movie. I, I at least enjoyed. I think you can talk about a lot of reasons or reasonings behind this movie, but that's the one I think I clinged on to after multiple watchings is, you know, what is this character? Is he something original or is he just a mishmash of different ideas and pieces of media he's consumed? Yeah, but isn't it, doesn't that then mean in this movie specifically that because Jake real Jake's entire the way he's expressing his existence is entirely through references and store jingles mm -hmm. and experiences that he immediately finds empty. And then he decides to kill himself. Like, what is that? Like, what is that story? What is that message then? Oh, I don't think it's a very happy idea. <laughs> I'm not going to say this is a happy ending, but apparently this is where you need to understand the musical Oklahoma, okay? <laughs> uh, yep, because I think it's an exploration actually into like, and and here here is actually into like one of the nitpicks I have of this movie, which is Kaufman, ironically, has not come up with another original idea because this is just an analysis of the male psyche again for him, which he has done mm -hmm. a couple times at this point. Mm -hmm. So yeah. ironically, a movie about not having original ideas is not an original idea, <laughs> which is, yeah. I, I almost, I don't know if it's, a, if it's on purpose or not. So I can't tell if it's something <laughs> smart or not, <laughs> but so Jake's character at the end does a, um, like we talk, he does a musical scene from the movie 
slash musical Oklahoma. And it's a song Mm -hmm. about a character named Judd. And Judd is sort of this nobody character that doesn't really have anything to live for. And it's sort of the exploration on that character uh, type from that musical. Uh, Again, not a lot of light things. And again, this is a very sort of open concept. Uh, But that's what I believe it's trying to delve into. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just bored by by creative stories that just want to talk about the creator. Does that make sense? I like to me like the book is the book is effective for me because it takes elements of a of a genre of the horror genre mm-hmm. and it's telling an introspective story in a psychological thrilling kind of way which i think is really unique so that you know jake is going through this experience where he is thinking about ending his life which is already horrible and he has crafted himself uh, a a girlfriend um, who doesn't have enough sus- substance to like last a whole scene. Like she's constantly shifting into being like interested in like what he's interested in and then shifting into something else and something else that would be like, um, that would be like engaging for him. And then she immediately keeps losing interest in him. So that like this concept that like, well, if I can just find somebody who cares about me, maybe my life will be worth living for. But this construct that he's made for himself keeps losing interest in him. Mm-hmm. And to have that be like what is generating the horror in a horror story is very interesting because it's not some masked dude chasing him down an alleyway. It's his own in- inability to see himself as somebody worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's much more interesting than, I don't know, whatever Kaufman is trying to do in this well, that's film. Amanda, congratulations. <laughs> you have experienced your first Kaufman film. This is what it's like experiencing a Kaufman film, is that you and I can have wild discussions about both of these ideas, and both of them can be equally true. I guess. But then it just feels like he's not committing to any part of his own story. I don't know if it's necessarily about that. I think it's just a story that doesn't end with a period. It ends with a question mark, which... That's not... No, it doesn't even end with a question mark. It ends with an ellipses and then some more stupid things and then another ellipses. (laughs) Why are we now arguing about the punctuation (laughs) metaphor? Now we are talking in metaphor about a movie of metaphors, Amanda. We got to stop doing that. I mean, I think it's a little frustrating because I think the source material is interesting. Um, I think... I know it didn't quite, I don't know, you didn't enjoy the book as much, but I think it had a lot to say about being depressed and the like emotional experience of trying to like still function and like fantasize about what your life would be like if you weren't depressed, even though you're struggling with depression and like to such a severe point where you don't have a reason why you shouldn't kill yourself. And that to me feels so much more interesting than having a 20-minute ballet scene and an extended Oklahoma musical. It doesn't feel like anything interesting is being pulled 
for me in this movie. I think that here's the thing is that is a completely fair take because in the end, this movie is a has parts of excessiveness that is completely off putting to someone who isn't prepared for that. Because there's the scene of, yes, the extended Oklahoma parts we've mentioned before, but there's also <laughs> like after they go to their parents, there is this very long car ride scene that feels like it's taking mm-hmm. forever, where there's a bunch of shifting. Uh, even into like the actress who is playing the main girl, like there is constant shifting mm-hmm. in this car, and they they go on a monologue about this uh, movie critics critique of I can't even I can't remember the movie now. It yeah, was like I don't know. part of the references that I didn't dive as deep into researching, but it's I'm not gonna lie to you, it's an exhausting scene <laughs> for someone yeah. who isn't prepared to watch that type of movie. And so for you to be off put by that makes complete sense to me, because even for me going through some of those parts, I was like, does this need to be here? And I think the question of did Kaufman really need to add all of this to make his point is a good one mentioning. Yeah, it yeah, it just it feels a little bit cheated. I feel a little bit cheated by the movie because I feel like it was supposed to be an exploration of these characters and their experience. And instead, the director's just talking about himself. That's completely fair. And to be <laughs> honest, if if you knew Charlie Kaufman's work beforehand, because I think this is one of those where understanding the previous work of Charlie Kaufman will get you a different experience I do not Mm -hmm. think that this is a good first movie (laughs) for being a fan of Charlie Kaufman. I really would, like I said at the top, recommend Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's way more relatable because it deals with a topic Mm -hmm. that most people have gone through with a breakup. This Mm -hmm. is not, this is not a good place to start with. Um, Fair enough. Now, to kind of shift a little bit, I wanted to talk a about like the small parts of this movie that I enjoyed, which is mm-hmm. the shifting nature of the main character played by Jesse Buckley. Mm-hmm. The changes the movie makes to how they shift her character around both visually um, and like story beat wise was like way more entertaining, I think, than in the book because I picked up like immediately in that first scene in the car ride that her shirt was changing color from pink to Mm -hmm. yellow and uh, in Mm -hmm. very like like color wise they kind of looked similar you couldn't tell if it was just from a reflection in the window or not but like I noticed that right away and I ate that sort of thing right up yeah I thought that was very cool I thought like the the framing of how it was shot was very cool. So you didn't really know if like these people were in the same room together or if this was just something happening in somebody's mind. Um, I think all the performances were excellent. I love Tony Collette as the mom and David, uh, Thulis. How do you say his last name? I freaking love him. Freaking professor Lupin. Yeah. Lupin. Just incredible. He killed. Oh my gosh. What are people doing upstairs? I swear to God, someone's setting up like a jungle gym above me today. 
I think that's what's going on. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think all their performances were excellent. There's this one scene that I actually really loved where they stop at a um, like an ice cream shop in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Uh, to get like Oreo slushies or something like that. And it's genuinely super creepy and it looks beautiful. And it was kind of like, <laughs> there's this part, that part specifically, I was like, I wish this movie was more of this because this is really good. If it was just like a straight up horror movie where like creepy crap like this was happening, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, uh, specifically in sort of the same vein, like the time shift that happens during mm-hmm. the dinner and house scene. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's I it was really by good, far yeah. the best part of the movie. It's the most engaging for audiences that don't want to listen to 40 minutes of dialogue in a car or dancing from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you could kind of take out that sequence uh, on its own and it could serve its own story, um, especially yeah. the uh, time shifts that happen through Jake's parents are super interesting to check out as their personalities change from when they're young to when they're old. Yeah, super interesting. And that's exactly why I thought like those were my favorite parts. And that's why I thought maybe the main character had a bunch of dementia that she was mm-hmm. dealing with. And I kind of wish that was what the story was about. <laughs> We're like, this poor guy has been like dedicated to his wife with dementia forever and she's been thinking about leaving him for 40 years. Yeah, I could <laughs> that see that really being interesting. interesting. Yeah, I think there's like the, a second concept that this film is trying to tackle specifically within those scenes of like, they say it in a piece of dialogue, the idea of we're stationary, but time moves through us. And it's sort of like right. a commentary on get growing old a little bit. Uh, yeah. that I really enjoyed in the house scene. I'll say too, yeah. um, Jesse Plemons, the guy who plays Jake, has had like one of the craziest careers. He just plays like the creepy dude who's just sort of unsuspecting for years. My mm-hmm. nickname for him was Creepy Matt Damon because he kind of looks like Matt Damon, <laughs> but like not quite. Uh, and I love everything he's in. Creepy Matt Damon is such a good name for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in a bunch of stuff. Oh, he he first appeared in Breaking Bad uh, as a villain in the mm. last season. And he, I swear, is one of the most terrifying people in that TV show filled with terrifying people. Yeah, he was pretty he was pretty good. I couldn't tell if I was supposed to like him or not, which I guess is is kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I thought he was I thought he was pretty good. Again, like the performances were great. Top notch. I think, you know, the parts of this movie you'll enjoy most are the cinematography and the performances. Um The parts you're going to enjoy least is the uh cartoon pig dropping um uh disgusting what you call maggots. it? Maggots. <laughs> maggots from its torn open stomach leading a naked man through a high school. Oh gosh, we didn't even mention that, did we? <laughs> Like I said, no. guys, this is like <laughs> cinema with a capital C, okay? <laughs> it's w- Yeah, with all the hallmarks and pitfalls of it. It's, it gets <laughs> wild at parts. Um, anything else you want to mention about I'm thinking of ending things? Um, did you want to do any nitpicks? Uh, I don't have a ton of nitpicks. Do you have anything you want to mention? Um... <laughs> Yeah, a couple of things. So I will say there's a lot of gross stuff in this movie, 
uh, for some reason, those melting Oreo slushies in their car was the grossest thing to me. Like there are like maggots and barf and food and gross stuff throughout this entire movie. Those melting Oreo milkshakes were so gross Just to me. In absolutely that car. disgusting. Uh, Just super and disgusting. It, like, for me, it's like it's a point of of something I can relate to because I've just like had the experience as a grown adult man where I think <laughs> I can go to Dairy Queen and order a large blizzard and I can finish it even though I'm lactose intolerant. And then I have like <laughs> a couple bites of it and then realize why the heck did I order this disgusting piece of dessert? Uh, and then yeah. it melts in my hand and, and now I'm all nasty and sticky. <laughs> Yeah, I could like feel it melting in their car. That really grossed me there out. There is one, okay, one little part of the movie, and this is actually a part I love based on the ice cream, where they discover the school, and mm-hmm. Jesse Buckley's character is walking into the school, and she notices a dumpster filled with yeah. those like cups. And yeah. it was a part that is kind of different than in the book, where I realized this is a fantasy that the janitor mm-hmm. has gone through thousands of mm-hmm. times. This is not the first yeah. time uh, he's like gone through this um, with this mysterious character. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a it was that extra layer that made me enjoy the premise that this was all in his head just a little bit more. Just just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I more. thought that scene that was pretty effective. That was a pretty cool shot too. Yes. So I'll give it to them. Um, and then the only other nitpick I have was that they still included in the movie, they still included the like random caller saying that crazy stuff to her over the phone, um, ask, like telling her to answer the question, but they never addressed the question yeah. in the movie, which is what, which kind of annoyed me. Cause that's like the whole crux of what the book was. So yeah, is it, it kind of felt like why even put that in there if you aren't going to use it but i could say that with a lot of things in this movie (laughs) that's super true uh i actually have a book nitpick there is like an extended scene of uh the girl um Mm -hmm. taking a driver's test uh yes like this driving scene in the book that i'm gonna be honest by the time i got to the end i was like why was that even included that felt like just like a red herring to make me feel like this person was a real person Uh, I think it was a little bit of a red herring, but I also think it was not to get too analytical here about it. Are you kidding Um, me? What have we just done for the past 45 (laughs) minutes? Well, okay, 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 okay. I think what it was is that she's telling him this story about her experience, which is a very cliched experience of her uh, being taken advantage of by her driving instructor. It's extremely cliched. And... The fact that Jake uh, has no follow-up questions for it, it it pins it as like an attribute of her instead of as an experience that Jake cares about or engages with. And so to me, that marked her as not a real person mm. in my mind. So I actually didn't I actually didn't mind that part. I think it was a clue for us that like there's something else going on here, which at first I thought it was going to be, oh, Jake doesn't care about her, so he's going to murder her soon. Yeah, that's what I thought too, yeah. <laughs> But I think that's what it was, is that Jake is trying to construct a whole person for himself, but he can't do it. Yeah. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah. I can buy that. What an episode, guys. <laughs> what an episode. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, gang. We made it to the end of this episode. 
I didn't kill David, so I'm really I proud of both of us. I cannot believe I've made you watch a Kaufman <laughs> movie now. This is... I feel like I'm... Uh, this is like payback for making you read all of Little Women. And Practical... <laughs> especially Practical Magic. I think this is... A, oh, Practical Magic wasn't that bad. The book was a book I would <laughs> never read unless you told me to read it. And, and this yeah, is a movie you, you that, would never like, watch your unless I would make <laughs> you watch true. it. That's true. If I was watching this on my own, I definitely would have shut it off pretty quickly. <laughs> you can tell just because it's in a four by three aspect ratio that it's going to be mm-hmm. just the most pretentious movie you've ever watched. <laughs> and it might be. Yeah. yeah, it might be. Uh, Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out at wherever you get your podcasts. We uh, are heading our way into uh, season two now. So if you enjoy anything we talked about in our last hour, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Uh, But know that there is a treasure trove of episodes behind us that you can go back and listen to. Um, If you leave us a review, we'll make David read it on air in a hilarious voice that you can choose if you really want to. You can choose. I'll make him do it. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, yeah, they can do that. (laughs) That is an option for them. Yes, you ha- you hold all the power, audience. The audience, you only the have key. to wield yes. it. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Adapted Pod on all those platforms, uh, and you can also send us suggestions, more Kaufman, by shooting us an email mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. stuff at adaptedpod.com. Also, yeah, hashtag David Reese Twilight twenty twenty. We'll see how many more Kaufman movies I need to make you do <laughs> for us to do that. Maybe no, 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 no. Actually, we need to do David Fincher. Uh, or David. That's, that's true. We haven't gotten ooh, a Fincher yet. Ooh, those I have. So, mm, that's opening some things up to me. Anyway, no, no. Uh, special thanks to Catloaf as well for our intro and outro music. It's always good, and you're listening or will be listening to a story of Ditmars. You can find more of him on Catloaf. On Catloaf. On Cat- <laughs> you mean you can on find Spotify? More Catloaf on Spotify. Would you look at that? You can go find more Catloaf on Catloaf. Catloafs on Catloafs. Cat 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 and this <laughs> podcast is de- devolving, just like that movie. Until then, uh, if only I knew like how that song to Oklahoma if only there was- went. <laughs> if only we knew a single thing about Oklahoma, then we'd really be able to kill we'd this section be able of our podcast. To kill this section until then amanda i'm thinking of ending this episode of this podcast well done that's the only joke bit i could i could pull from this movie (laughs) i feel like you said that and then it freezed frame on your face and then like (laughs) and then the credits started uh, rolling yeah the credits started rolling and the um uh what is it the curb your enthusiasm music came on yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until next time, I'm thinking about adapting for your viewing. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> <laughs>